1: Welcome to Censored, I'm Eva Vrithnop.
2: And I'm Lloyd Maeve Houston.
1: And we are looking at Possession, <laughs> and one of the wildest films I think you'll ever see. I mean, how's your incubus today, Lloyd?
2: <laughs> it's, the, it's taken the form of Grandier! Grandier! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, hell shall hold no surprises for us <laughs> after after this film. Yeah, oh. for
1: sure. Because there is a lot of content here. We are really going to have to give a full-throated warning here, I think.
2: Yes, this is, while we'll obviously try to handle it with, you know, due sensitivity, it's an episode that is going to probably involve discussions of various forms of sexual violence at different points, and it might be quite a difficult listen if you are someone for whom that's that's triggering in, in any way. So... It's also going to be a difficult difficult listen probably if you're religiously minded but at that point I mean how have you have you gotten this far with this podcast yeah
1: i can't imagine the easily offended religious types are listening unless of course that's your kink no. but. <laughs>
2: I mean, although to be fair, as Ken Russell claimed of the the, the film, you know, it, it's it's about blasphemy. It, it is not necessarily blasphemous. I do think that actually, it's it is a surprisingly sincerely spiritual film that just happens to feature more nun orgies than a Fast and the Furious <laughs> film features car chases. <laughs> um, but.
1: oh god it was completely unexpected i mean you can read yeah. what is in the film and then you watch it and you're like okay <laughs> i right i mean I, you went there
2: it's, it's it's one of those things like i i you know I, I i'm obviously the kind of last person in the world to do the sort of like oh you couldn't make this today but like you could not make this today the idea that this is a like a big studio film like the I mean, United Artists had a crack at it and then actually looked at the screenplay and were like, nope. But Warner Brothers, you know, made this and put it on kind of relatively wide release. And that is astonishing to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, there is no way it would get funding. Just absolutely no way. And also that, I mean, much of what's depicted, the actors would refuse to do it,
2: I think. I was Yeah, I was going to say, that's the other thing. It, it's, I feel like, the expectation of working conditions on a set may have changed in a way that yeah. would also make this very difficult to to, to film
1: <laughs> i suppose we should really give a very if we can manage a quick outline of the plot
2: <laughs> yeah i mean maybe we can sort of toggle between levels of description so like yeah yeah br- br- briefest description we could arrive at is is just sort of non-orgy <laughs>
1: Non-orgy, gratuitous torture
2: Yeah, but essentially the film centres on two figures who are particularly significant On the one hand we have Father Urbain Grenier played by Oliver Reed Who is just at the absolute height of his I mean, (sighs) what a... (laughs) Punk. <laughs> and like and you think you would think when you shaved the man's head and you know, like put put him in a burlap sack that he'd look worse. Nope. The, no, he but...
1: was just as hot. He controls it.
2: And and then the other sort of key figure in the mix is Sister Jeanne, who's played by a young and again equally like my God <laughs> um yeah. Vanessa Redgrave. Also at the, the absolute height of her powers. And making a completely batshit role, kind of, you know, really psychologically coherent and compelling.
1: And then, unbeknownst to Grandier, the priest engaged in this massive power struggle instigated by Sister Jean, who starts confessing to being possessed, but possessed by a devil in the form of Grandier.
2: By which... You know what? What what is actually occurring is that he is just the hottest priest, like flea bag. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah. like Grandier, like the <laughs> the opening act of this film is just like, what if there was a priest so fuckable <laughs> that an entire region <laughs> were, were consumed by passion for him? <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, so so basically. What the the, the plotty side of things, I suppose, is is all bound up with a kind of power struggle that's emerging out of the kind of unification of France into a modern nation state in which church and state are acting in concert. So Louis XIII and um, Cardinal Richelieu are sort of unifying or, or or synthesizing church and state with Richelieu being really the you know the actual kind of Machiavellian power behind the throne and a big holdout in this unification project is Loudun, which is a town with these very especially in the film incredible looking fortifications designed by Jarman <laughs> that are just like stunning and this is all part of a you know an effort to expunge the Huguenots who are a sort of pseudo-Protestant sect but basically it becomes this struggle between centralizing authority and regional power where grandier is the kind of you know he stands up for the town meanwhile he's pursuing his own sort of esoteric project of like what if sex was good with god (laughs) Um, (laughs) and takes himself a, a, a wife but anyway basically all of these interested political figures seize on Sister John's, you know, her just thinly veiled eroticized Jesus fanfic starring Grey <laughs> as, a, as a basis for alleging that he is a sorcerer. And through a kind of set of scripted prompts almost, all of the nuns in this order become possessed by the idea of their possession and see it as an opportunity to throw off what has been an intensely repressive regime in which they have very little spiritual investment. And this culminates in the the, the show trial and then burning of grognier And... But it really very little of this does justice to quite how Ken yeah. Russell shoots any of it or renders it. No,
1: because one of the things he says in interviews about it is at one moment it's a religious film about the power of the church. At the one moment it's about the power of faith and what you think religion is in your heart rather than in any of the state structures. Then it's about the king and then it's about Protestants and then it's it's about everything all at once in the most <laughs> extraordinary costuming and oh. the lay- the way it's shot when you these big crowd scenes where everyone is incredibly dressed in this so stylized but also quite believable it's not stupid historical fiction it's It's quite restrained. I mean, everybody, you know, people didn't wear a lot of color. (laughs) Restrained
2: Restrained. is is such a funny (laughs) word to use in connection with the film that is this maximalist. But no, you're you're, you're right. Derek Jarman, who who went on to be obviously an incredible and very kind of provocative queer filmmaker in his own right, is the the production designer. And you have in Loudon it's all very sort of monochrome. Everyone's in black and white. It's all quite strong, clean lines there's a apparently the sort of inspiring production note came came by way of of Huxley which was the nunnery should you know it should play out like a rape in a public toilet and yeah you know we'll come on to the 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 first part of that but this sense of like these ecclesiastical spaces as weird sanitary very stark like white tiled spaces, like Mm -hmm. they look like sanatoria they look like they look like a toilet. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, you know, um, the... Or a kind of London underground or a kind of public yeah,
1: transport yeah, space. Yeah. These kind of big communal vaulted tiled spaces. Yeah,
2: there's yeah, also, I, especially whenever we're with Richelieu in, you know, whatever cathedral space he's in, it just looks like a Bond villain layer. Like, there's a point where he he's just trundling around on this little, like, standing desk thing that people are pushing. <laughs> like, it looks like a kind yeah, of yeah. Um, Ken Adams sort of set. But then the court is just pure glam rock like it is the queerest thing there's a a, an amazing sequence where louis arrives when the, the possession is in full swing and he's in these rainbow-coloured sparkling tights that are the most beautiful thing. <laughs> and initially you think it's because he's under a stained glass window, but then you just realise that's just, like, the look. <laughs> just dressed that way. <laughs> the, the film opens with Richelieu watching a performance of a kind of court mask starring the king that's like the, you know, a sort of version of Venus. And it's... Uh, it It's... <laughs>
1: It's undescribable. <laughs> actually. It is literally like you really do have to watch this film to experience it because I also found it kind of haunting in that when I went back to relook at various bits and I put the DVD on and the chords of the music played, mm. I was like, "Whoa!" I like I was brought back into the film Like, even the music is extraordinary. Everything. It's a complete experience.
2: This is one of those films that could only be a film as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Like, Um, it it is... Even though
1: it's drawn from a book. I suppose we should say that this was never submitted to the Irish censor. Mm. (laughs) And as far as I know, never has been. The copy I bought has been uh, certified by the British Film Censorship Office. So it's 18s under the British system, under the Irish system it would be two if it was certified, but it was never submitted. And I suspect it hasn't been because it's not stocked in any public library, this DVD, and neither is the book The Devils of Ludon by Huxley stocked anywhere. And that was once banned. So it obviously maybe is kind of cuts too close to the bone in the whole crazy Catholic kind of (laughs) thing. (laughs) Just a bit, <laughs> just a bit. I mean, it is. Yeah, it, it's it's challenging stuff. If mm. if you are religiously minded, and it did provoke, like the Vatican came out against it when it was screened initially. There was a lot of pushback from various conservatives in lots of countries. I mean, this isn't this isn't an Irish censorship moment. This is an international censorship yeah. moment.
2: <laughs> and, and a long and kind of storied back and forth between Ken Russell and the D. So he was he was friends with the the president of the BBFC at the time. And they have these extensive exchanges of correspondence, dinners. And I mean, if you want to see the film it's not it, it's not easy to stream and there's no kind of official place to to do so except maybe the bb the bfi player possibly but but you can get the fantastic dvd version that has a, a a wonderful kind of accompanying booklet that reproduces some of this and there's this <laughs> they reproduce a memo from ken russell to the the president of the bbfc where he's like i've taken the shit from the altar <laughs> <laughs> I've cut the orgy in two.
1: Because if you have seen it recently, I think everyone should kind of maybe do a chronological check. Because if you saw it before 2012, you need to go and buy the new DVD or Mm. somehow see the version that's available now. Because before 2012, you weren't watching the X-rated version that was released in Britain in 1971. And that's the closest to Ken Russell's vision that we got.
2: Yeah. So Russell as he's making the film, you know, he he knows what's coming. So he he liaises. I mean, I, mean, I don't yeah, I don't blame him. <laughs> it was it was tactically shrewd, but he you know, he really does for a director who is infamous for being confrontational and quite kind of bellicose and like a big rowdy lad, you know, he, even he I think recognizes a, a degree of tact is necessary to get this thing into cinemas at all. So he You know, he goes out of his way to engage with the BBFC. They suggest a raft of sort of cuts and alterations. The studio have their own view on what needs to change, particularly with an eye to an American market. So eventually, after much horse trading, a cut has arrived at the BBFC are prepared to pass with an X rating, which is their, you know, kind of highest rating panic <laughs> panic <laughs> and and even then lots of local authorities in the uk are like no this this shan't be shan't be screened but then in order for it to um, circulate in america at all a further round of cuts is made to produce an r-rated version but whenever it's being prepared for a release on home media it's the american r cut that is used which is quite significantly further sanitized compared to the British one so if you didn't see it in the UK in 1971 you will have missed significant portions of of this film and even then there is still a great deal of material that remains sort of unaccounted for so there's on the DVD there's a, a documentary that Mark Kermode did for Channel 4 in like 2004 or something where he and a team of people he sort of assembled found a reel of missing material or a different cut of a particularly crucial sequence that was for Russell was the sort of heart of the film, and that even that hasn't been restored into its proper place in the <laughs> the cut that you can get on the DVD. So you have to like watch the film, then watch this documentary, then watch the bit in the documentary where they show you the sequence <laughs> as it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason
1: the reason we can't see this piece that's been cut but rediscovered is because Warner refused to give permission for a new director's cut to be issued. So, like, they own it and they own the rights to the 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 product, and they're like, "No, we're still not putting those four minutes back in because,
2: yeah, no." <laughs> and 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 even the the restored version of this, i.e., the British. X cut that was on you know commercial release in 1971 has only really ever been screened kind of fleetingly um, as an object of historical interest at certain film festivals
1: it's never been released again you're not going
2: to like go see it at your local you know sort of art house cinema so yeah this this film somehow (laughs) is still one of the most contentious things committed to celluloid the the sequence in question it is worth saying just to uh, explicate somewhat why this might be was referred to internally within the production as the rape of christ sequence (laughs) Um,
1: Um, yeah i
2: mean (laughs) you know and that's not that's not hyperbole
1: (laughs) no and i i knew what it was called having read about it before i saw the documentary with the piece in it and i was still shocked Mm. even though it had been described to me what happened i was like wow yeah
2: yeah it's to, okay. I guess to yeah. So 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 one of the film's sort of structuring <clears throat> dyads, I suppose, is that on the one hand you've got Grandier's kind of quote unquote like healthy or spiritual sort of sensuality, right? You know, he he is like as we've established, priest fucks, um, but you know he he takes a wife and they are you know lovingly intimate with one another, but. In a, in a manner that is, in his view, consonant with his vocation. And on the other hand, you have the kind of perverse hypersexuality that the church, in its effort to repress sex, produces, basically, is kind of Russell's, you know, thesis, I guess. And, and yes. I, I would say also like Huxley's take on this and probably why it interested Huxley so much. But, you know, the, the efforts to, you know, kind of exorcise the demons and so on are you know horrifyingly sexually violent in a really grisly way Mm. but there kind of comes a point where in again in a louis the 13th this movie is just a dream he he rocks (laughs) up in the you know he's he's been sort of summoned to witness what's playing out um you know at this point involving multiple exorcists who cannot apparently kind of contain what they've unleashed and so Louis shows up saying "You, oh I I have in my possession a vial of the true blood of our lord and saviour might that aid you in your Endeavors and the exorcist, who again in a very germany piece of costuming is just like bare sleeved, wearing you know, kind of cuffs and like a cape, has great arms, my god. But um,
1: and who bears more than a passing resemblance to John Lennon at mm, this point,
2: um, and also goes on to be a Bond villain. That's a whole <laughs> other thing. So he's offered this box that allegedly contains a vial of Christ's blood, uses it apparently sanity is restored and then Louis like lol it was empty <laughs> like Ta-da! what what shit are you trying to pull on me bitch and then yeets like it's just like ladies it's been a pleasure and it's borne away <laughs> and he's just
1: like as you were continue yeah, like, I mean whatever I, you're doing yeah
2: whatever this is fine at which point all hell truly breaks loose and in the sequence as it was originally intended by Russell a particularly sort of sorrowful looking christ statue is pulled down and the nuns who are now completely off the chain begin to frot themselves on it frantically and really take the this is my body to its its ultimate carnal conclusion uh, while father mignon um who's been a kind of ambivalent figure sort of caught between you know he's sympathetic to grandier but uh, you know he he has his responsibilities within the church tries to get away from this by climbing up onto i think onto a sort of upper balcony and in a sequence where it's like crash zooming into and out of christ's face as these these women do everything they're doing to him crash zooming into and out of Mignon's face cracks out a big old wank in a kind of (laughs) frantic (laughs) manner (laughs) All of which is intercut with Grandier on the l- banks of a lake performing an extremely simple Eucharistic Mass. So he he blesses a loaf, breaks it, raises his chalice, and obviously it juxtaposes a sincere, unadorned, simple faith with a kind of politicized, you know, debased, orgiastic kind of perversion of that faith. But yeah, weirdly, <laughs> weirdly enough. No one was comfortable with its inclusion.
1: Yeah, I wonder why why they felt it might perhaps be a bridge too far. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, so you know, I knew but there was a bit missing and I watched the film and then I watched the the documentary and I kind of thought back to watching the film. And I kind of thought that you could tell it was cut. Because it goes a bit funny. Now, not, that's not to say there aren't lots of naked people beforehand <laughs> and afterwards. But it, it did something funny to the rhythm of the film, I yeah. thought. And when I watched the documentary, it was like, oh, so that's the precise point. I felt it was weird. It, and I, I think it's
2: because they have to kind of separate it out into two sequences now. So you have this kind of as near as they can get to this culmination of the, the sort of debauchery. And then you just have an unbroken sequence of Grandier performing this sort of roadside mm. mass, and it's it it stalls things a little bit. And then you kind of it does. And then he arrives back and is like, you know, it, his life is obviously being heavily paralleled to Christ, so he sort of has his moment of like, you know, my father's house. Like you've you know, you've made a mockery of <laughs> of our faith, and gets to be you know very, again, just like swaggering stoic Oliver Reed is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that little, that little lace white collar over the black, st- the black eye collar. Oh my! I, I mean, God.
2: D- like I could honestly, talk, I was, I was watching it with a, with a, uh, uh, you know, so, so, someone with similar proclivities to myself, let's say. And yeah, just sutans man. Like, uh,
1: oh, I know. Pfft. Like Warren
2: Wright, Ta- yeah, like. You know, because it's so snatched at the waist, but does good things for the chest. And then it's got the kind of sweep and swoosh. The
1: drama, like, and the way that it it changes the walk. Actually, Mm -hmm. it is something I I think about often in The Power of Clerics in the Past was partly that sort of drama.
2: Well, I mean, something else that the film has so much fun with is, like, the... (laughs) The things one can do with rosary beads or a crucifix, or <laughs> you know, like there's there are just long sequences of Vanessa Redgrave's character year like never has such yearning been yearned on film, yeah. <laughs> but she'll you know she'll go into these kind of reveries over Grandier as Christ, and then will like jam a crucifix in like she'll you know she'll she'll picture she'll picture herself as mary magdalene licking the stigmata in a, a very hot way i can't i can't pretend like if, if if you think you might be into blood play and want to learn more about whether that is the case for you this is the film to learn but you know and then she'll ryan reynolds here from int mobile She'll replicate that stigmata with, you know, the crucifix that she's holding or, you know, she, all the instruments of sort of self-flagellation.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, a certain amount of self-pleasuring involving crucifixes and, you know, the potential that you can put these things to use.
2: Yeah. Well, and in a in a, another cut moment that remains cut at the very end of the film, after Grandier has been been burnt, she is given the the remnants of presumably like his his femur. If you've never thought before how a, a shattered bone might might look quite phallic, you know, if you think about the, the, the sort of two bulbous protrusions at the end and then a sort of sharp, you know, there it is. Yeah, she she finally gets to in the film as you know it, it's heavily it's still heavily implied, but in the film as originally you know sort of envisaged, uh, yes, she she finally gets to commune with, if not his flesh, at least his his bone. <laughs>
1: Bone as opposed to boner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, had to. <laughs> Boo. No, I know, I'm I'm in no terrible. position to,
2: <laughs> to give you a hard time about like this. <laughs> but
1: and that was that's another major cut, right? Mm. And that was also when the the Baron throws this bone down onto the floor and there's this single static shot of the bone. I was like Oh, and then then mm. it kind of, that's it. And I was like, that's weird. Because the film so far has not been afraid to follow through yeah. <laughs> everything you're thinking. It takes you there. So I was like, ah, okay, so that was also a cut. Like, once they explained it, it was, yes, you can tell. You can tell. Yeah, It disrupts the rhythm of the film, the intention, the overall expectations you as a viewer have. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't get to see the aura version because that must be really weird if they've got even more.
2: Well, yeah, again, it's I mean, like you say, this is something we thought about quite a few times in terms of the sort of Irish viewing experience is that, you know, like audiences with a bit of media literacy, like can tell when something's off in the, you know, in the cadence and the rhythm of a film. And like, you, it must have been bizarre to watch to go to the cinema so regularly and and feel these sort of like hiccups or the these kind of moments of like oh well you know everything felt like it was sort of leading this direction and then suddenly the film was weirdly reticent or you know or just abruptly toggles focus and Mm. i i just can't imagine what a kind of you know sanitized version of this is (laughs)
1: how could you sanitize you couldn't <laughs> cut all of the tits and arse because there would be nothing left of a large part of the film because there was a lot of full frontal nudity like
2: god yes totally and yeah, like
1: that definitely wouldn't happen now there's no way
2: and also just you know and, and good like 1970s unshorn pubic hair yeah. you know like <laughs> really
1: yeah full muffs all there
2: bushy <laughs> well apparently that's one of the things that goes completely in the american version Is just just any any pubic hair just oh. just gone which as you say just i don't know what the film <laughs> looks like with with those sorts of trims being there's a there's a trimming yeah. pun here that's uh, anyway but, yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one of the things in the documentary that was interesting when they were talking to someone he represented equity on set and he said that he didn't have the actresses coming in saying I want naked nun money so basically anything extra you're asked Mm. to do you can ask for extra money and he said they didn't ask for this or whatever and I thought okay but I wanted to know did they ask for extra money because a lot of them had their head shaved I was like shocked by the shaven heads, actually.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was going to say like the, this is the other thing, right? Like it, the, the documentary. I mean, it, you know, I'm sure everyone conducted themselves professionally by the standards of the day, but it is a bunch of people, you know, who who worked in media in the 1970s talking about shooting things involving sex, and it is occasionally like, oh, I don't know about yeah. that." <laughs>
1: yes, Sounds occasionally And some of the the sequences that they do shoot You know the women aren't just running around Being independently hysterical They're being groped by other people uh, Like there's a lot of Really physical contact And that is worth I scenes. think
2: probably also Acknowledging about this is that I think it It's complicated because The British tabloid press Made this film an object of Kind of interest and in, you know were trying To kind of wring as much sensationalist sort of bang for their buck out of it as possible while it was being shot but but even with that aside like yeah there there are I think some some of the female performers on this did talk about you know kind of being groped by male extras and you know I, 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 I don't know how ideal a set it was for that and I don't you know we, we don't want to be glib about that but it's yeah it like like we say I just don't know how you would shoot this now I know. <laughs> um, Like, an intimacy coordinator would watch this and just die. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's, uh, how do you coordinate that much intimacy in these, these are crowd scenes of hysterical orgies. (laughs) Yeah, it's like.
2: I don't know how you do that. If you remember back to when we talked about, you know, like, Cecil B. DeMille sort of. (laughs) it's like imagine if you it's like a Cecil B. DeMille level production of just naked shrieking people
1: good analogy it is a hundred percent that sort of energy isn't it (laughs) it's just did you watch the trailers that were on the dvd yes the the british one was insane (laughs) thank you yes i was sitting there going what what
2: what? <laughs> like it? It it a managed to take you know one of the most confronting and stark things I've ever seen and and make it boring as fuck. <laughs> like it? Yes. Come to this film for
1: an educational experience. They,
2: yeah, they tried to make it a historical film, and you know, so it's the the thing that that particularly the UK trailer emphasizes in that very like you know kind of old fashioned trailer. So it's like this is going to be five minutes long. And a man with this sort of voice will tell you what's happening in this motion picture production. You know, but but they frame it as like, this is Father Urbain Grenier. He is at the center of the town of loudun And they map out all the politics of it. And it's like, mate, I don't know how you find this much footage in this film that does not feature someone like inserting our Lord into themselves. <laughs> like, I, just, I just didn't think there was five minutes worth of, you know, establishing shots in this movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was so dull and like, so here they are being historical people in France and there will be religion. Yeah. Really? I mean... the, and the... then the American one was definitely like punchy, short, yeah. shocking. Just
2: evocate. Well, it's, it's the way you would make a trailer for this i think at any point right which is just yeah like evocative images just emphasize the visual spectacle emphasize the erotic energy of it all just flash 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 you know ken russell the devils like you you know you want to see this don't pretend you're better than this (laughs) Um, you know and the best bit was
1: the line the devils is not a film for everybody (laughs) Oh, it's it's for me then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not everybody. I am 100% going to go see this.
2: Which is ironic given that obviously then British audiences get to see the least boring version of this. Like
1: there had to be like almost like a content warning built into any of the advertising around it. Although they were allowed to see an X-rated cut. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it, it feels like one of those kind of moments where the system almost has to kind of confront its own prudery. In other moments, it's like, no, no, lads, we 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 know that sometimes we're we're, we're a bit overcautious about this, but like, really, this time we're <laughs> we're the prudes who cried wolf. But like, this is it's a very big wolf, and it's it's um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 having an orgy in a chapel. Like we <laughs>
1: um, we we have to warn you that this might not be for you. Just just so you know.
2: (laughs) Genuinely. Uh, What I will say, though, is, you know, obviously we've been having fun with this. I will say this is, for my money, one of the best films about sex I've ever seen. Like, this really captures absolutely everything that sex can be for good and for ill, right? And... And I think the thing that makes it so unsettling and made it so difficult to edit as well in a way that, you know, makes it, you know, kind of palatable is that it refuses to make easy distinctions between all the different kinds of things that sex can be. So, you know, on the one hand, it, it's depicted as being intimate and spiritual or transcendent in a positive way, uh, you know, something that can kind of unite people and, um, it's also depicted as something that is utterly shattering. That, you know, that the, mm. the kind of the self cannot withstand. It can be disfiguring. It is something that possesses one in a devilish manner. It makes people cruel and vindictive. It makes them sadistic, not in the kind of positive consensual way, but in the truly, you know, sort of malicious, you know, vile way. It's like all of that is there and you know it's and it's not easy to disentangle and Mm. it's and it exposes the folly of trying to kind of you know merely repress it or like it's it's just brilliant like it's it's so good
1: (laughs) it's the complexity of the characters like because grandier starts out you know just shagging anybody And like picks up
2: at a like to to be to be clear, he he picks up his the 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 woman that goes on to be his wife. And, you know, like, fortunately, they they fall for one another properly or, or, you know, there's a kind of spiritually clarifying moment for him in this. But like he attends her mother's death through the, through an outbreak of the plague which is something we also haven't touched on at all is just the yeah the, the the plague side of this film but yeah he he basically is like making eyes at her over her mother's like writhing body as she is being tortured by the local physicians who are far worse than any illness
1: <laughs> yeah i mean you know How did you meet? Oh, well, our eyes met across...
2: My mother's writhing naked body as she's being stung by hornets on her breasts. Yeah,
1: soon to be dead and...
2: (laughs) In the sweatiest (laughs) scene I've ever seen. (laughs) That is such a
1: visceral scene. That is... Wow. Like, yeah. And when they look at each other, you have a moment of going, really? Now?
2: Yeah, it's like, are you... Are you you serious? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, not... Well, not fair. I, I... They didn't hook up there and then, which... Kind of was what I was expecting, which probably would have made the redemption of Grandier a difficult <laughs> proposition.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, they do actually have a conversation and everything. But there is that moment of connection mm. in the midst of this horrific death drama from Clay. Th-
2: that is hyper eroticized. And again, not in a kind of like spurious way. Like it captures the, the febrile qualities and the proximity to the death yes. drive that sex has.
1: It really tackles like the big existential questions or that religion gets caught up in about sex as well. You know, like Sister Jean is being, you know, trying to express her religious faith, but sex gets into her brain and she's like, she's losing her mind over it. And as a result, the only way for her to cope with it is to talk about possession, because mm. it is a form of possession in a theological system that won't allow her to have a sex drive because she's not allowed to have sex
2: and and that's another thing that i think the film's really good on there, there's a, a quite telling moment with with her where she's talking to an initiate and she's kind of saying you know what what do you think brings these women here and you know she gives the kind of road answer of like religious you know sort of belief and she's like no we're, we're inconvenient like you know, we, we are we are the women for whom no diary could be found, or you know, it, in in Sister Jean's case, it's she she has a, a hunchback, so she you know, and the kind of disability politics of the film again are I think like confronting, but but not awful, you know, like it's mm. it's 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 the way that she's been marginalised because of her non normate embodiment that that kind of leads to this. I mean, you know. The, the paralleling of her emotional and spiritual warping with her quote-unquote physical warping, I suppose, is maybe a little uncomfortable or not great. But, like, yeah, there, there's this sense of, like, she is f- taking up as much of an outlet as she is afforded by a situation. And, like, that becomes true for all of the women in this convent, right? You know, they don't actually give a fuck about God. And so the minute, like, you watch them, and it is very funny, you watch them sort of be like... A, they're all just being rounded up about to be executed for being possessed. <laughs> and then the exorcist is like, no, you know, they are also held by the demon Grandier. And they're like, yes, cool, absolutely. Cool. What, yeah. what does just like, what does possession look like? Oh, okay. You're like running around <laughs> naked. Like, <laughs> sweet. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> it's
1: like possession is extreme behavior, like totally extreme. Okay, yeah. Well, we can we can do that. Yeah. We can do that en masse in public. <laughs> In the
2: nude. En masse, in mass, <laughs> during mass, <laughs>
1: <laughs> And there is that, it's so interesting the way it's kind of, like, they are taking pleasure in it. And that pleasure is evidence of the demon. Mm. But you're like, is that really fair? Like, because of all of the religious characters in the film. The nuns, of course, have the least power because Grandier and Richelieu are walking around. They get to move out of spaces. They get to be in public. They get to have conversations with people. And the women are in what looks like a, like a toilet crossed with a jail. Yeah. Bars everywhere and everything's so stark and white.
2: The the, um, the way Grandier is introduced is he, he leads the funeral procession for his predecessor in the role of heading up the the religious life of Loudon, And all of the nuns are, you know, kind of, like, stacked on top of each other, peering out a window, trying to see him, like, just gasping for, you know, one view of him. And then, you know, Sister Jean comes and, like, shoes them all away and then crawls into this, like, tiny little, you know, kind of basically like a pipe with, you know, bars at the end that she can sort of look up at him. And it's, it's so confined and it's so, yeah, like, it kind of sanitary, like, unsanitarily sanitary if you know what I mean like it's a very clinical space but in a way that makes it kind of seedy and it is like she just crawled through a urinal to like have a wank over this man
1: (laughs) (laughs) and they shoot him coming up the hill from her perspective like she's level with the ground and like of course you'd be obsessed with somebody it's it's so like she has so little to see she Mm. can really not experience the bigness of the space which is emphasized in all the other shots which shows this kind of amphitheater of a town and there she is just like a tiny little sliver and she sees this man who yeah yeah we'd all be into him really it's it's not a surprise everybody else <laughs> is why wouldn't she so it, it yeah it's just like how it it is talking about the agency around sex between the genders and mm. within the church and between secular and otherwise
2: i mean two things I suppose just as, as much as we've sort of I guess skirted around it partly out of sort of sensitivity to two listeners like the with sister John it, it the exorcism culminates in her being very violently penetrated by a, a syringe and you know that there's an assumption that like the the possession will have had physiological, implications that these really shady, awful doctors are sort of there to, you know, quote unquote deal with. Although there is a very funny sequence where they're examining her vomit and, you know, they're kind of like, oh yes, you know, here are the innards of a man or oh this this is clearly semen and oh what's that? Oh a carrot <laughs> 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 but, but but yeah, so they they really one of the again with with the film's thesis of you know the kind of the way that obviously re- repression in 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 its intention to prevent quote unquote perversion it it generates its own perversity. The, after that, another cut moment later in the film with the bone is also that you, you're you you were meant to see her using the syringe on herself. So there's this sort of awful sense that she's like internalized uh. and eroticized the abuse, and it's you know. Again, one can understand why it a, a cut was called for there. But, you know, my God, f- for a film that has not wholly unduly faced some criticism for maybe how it handles that character and kind of the sexuality of women. I I think actually the argument it's making through what it puts her through is a serious minded one and a really mm. difficult one.
1: What really I found so interesting about it, historian hat, mm is that this is a witchcraft situation. This is a witchcraft trial. But the person who ends up dead is a priest (laughs) of the Catholic Church. So not just a man. Mm. I was like, this is a bit of a head fuck. As in the traditional image of a witchcraft trial is some poor old woman who's pretty indigent and Mm. inoffensive is being targeted as part of a misogynistic kind of campaign against yeah. expressions of different types of culture. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's the dude in charge. He gets torched.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's... I mean, I guess there's a sense in which, I was saying to you before, like, in some ways this film is, like, the best evocation of a lot of what literary modernism stands for that I've ever seen. And, like, the the the, the kind of shocking effect that modernism might have had. But that sense of, like... You know, a sort of principled and autonomous individual standing up in the face of a bad, homogenizing, modernizing, you know, centralizing culture, and his. So, you, it. it I, I think it's that sense of like Grandier as a, a kind of man no longer accommodable in you know mm. these these sort of compromised and compromising times, or who's just finding his way into his vocation when when it is brought short. But I mean, I suppose. Even still, you know, you have a whole community of women being, like, horrendously exploited to bring about his downfall. So the misogyny still up and running in full
1: force. <laughs> <laughs> and it is true, as in a lot of this actually happened. This is the craziest part about it. Like, there are stage-managed public exorcisms of nuns in order to get Grandier to the stake. Yeah. In the real historical
2: events. And the film opens with that kind of you know, instead of like based on a true story, it's like you know, the events of this film are real. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, that's as terrifying as anything in the film, is I you mean like this isn't just exaggerated, this is a hundred percent true.
2: But I think that's the thing, you know, like Russell talked about it as being his one deeply, sincerely political film. And it does... His aesthetic tendencies are toward maximalism and extremity Mm. and, you know, kind of trippy, visionary stuff. But, like, with this one, there is a sort of conviction to it that it isn't just hyperbole for hyperbole's sake. It's very convinced. But, yeah, just just the most astonishing thing I've I've possibly ever seen.
1: (laughs) It's so extraordinary it's it's such an experience i would love to see it on the big screen can you, you imagine? imagine yeah can you
2: imagine this on you know sort of like 70mm you know like <sighs> imax sort of level of cuz you know I, I i wound up you know watching it unbrokenly because i was just so sort of enraptured by it but like this is a film, it, it should be impossible to escape from, right? You shouldn't be able to, yeah. like, pause it and go to the loo, or, you know, like, look at no, your phone. No, you shouldn't
1: be able to pause it, look at the person <laughs> next to you and go, what the fuck? No, you should be, <laughs> both be sitting there. Everyone should be sitting there going, oh, my God. Yeah. And just sucked into it. Yeah,
2: well, and then walk out of it, you know, like, hair blown backward. Or <laughs>
1: Stunned, sort of, like.
2: Well, the the person I watched it with, we, we, we realised that imagine staging a party like themed around this like you know get yourself like a deconsecrated church get like you know set the dress code and just let the thing (laughs) and then we realized that what we were doing was just starting a cult (laughs) 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 but you know if it happens listeners you're you're all invited you know and
1: is the cult around Ken Russell or Oliver Reed as grandiate that
2: is the question I, I, I think it's just around the uh, just the vibe of this vibe. <laughs> this film I just, I just the first R like up up until you know bad things happen to, to sister John just just that I just want yeah. want that energy' like <laughs> truly listeners I know we've, we've said this a few times like if there's anything we've covered this I nearly said term <laughs> you've been you've been taking a module the whole time no if, if if there's anything i think we've watched for this that you should go seek out it's it's this yeah. like
1: but yeah. absolutely only the post 2012 yeah. dvd please yeah make 100 percent sure that you are not getting some you know 1990 version yeah
2: except no substitutes <laughs>